0: Oscar poker.
1: Well, okay, there we go. It's a little bit better. Um hang on. Let me just adjust. I'm just trying to find a, a a dress to wear to the Oscars right now, which is a huge just What did you
0: wear last year?
1: I wore a dress, you know, it was too cleavagey though. It was just too
0: Cleavagey.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I think that I think that's too much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to wear to the Oscars. So, I think I have to rethink that a little bit, but um my my goal this time is to last time you know me, I'm I'm like not into being somewhere by myself. So uh instead of being doing what Jeff would do, which is, you know, mingle, go downstairs, take pictures of people, talk to people, get a story, you know? Yeah. I, I do exactly I did exactly the opposite. I just went upstairs, got a couple of drinks and sat in my seat and hid upstairs the entire time. But you know, you have Access, so they give you access to go on the floors. So basically, it's like a big on the o- floor a, downstairs. There's a lot of different levels at the Oscars. There's like yeah. maybe four levels, and you each level has its own bar and televisions. And most of the people, other than the movie stars who have to be there, yeah, um, they're hanging out at the bar. They're not sitting watching the show. That's the weird thing about the Oscars that you figure out is it's kind of like a party. So everybody's outside at the bar, right? And uh, and and so every floor has its own bar. And if you're if you have a ticket to the top floor, you can't go to the, any other level unless you have a pass to do that. And um, and as a press person, you get a pass. So I have, I didn't last year, but this year I have the ability to go and move up and down the the different floors, so I think this time I'm going to wear comfortable shoes, not high heels,
0: Yeah. and I'm going to walk
1: up and down, and I'm going to check out the bar scenes at the different floors, just to see what's going on, you know?
0: Did you happen to notice last year uh, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn?
1: No, like I say, I was way up at the top, I just stayed up there. And I how high
0: up were you? Are there, how many balconies are there in the Kodak Theater? I,
1: I mean, I have to have been at the very top. I can't imagine that there's any more higher than where I was, <laughs> because
0: you didn't count them. I think there's three, right?
1: I, I think that there might be. Yeah, I think there might be. There might be. Let's see. There's the floor where all the movie stars are, and then there's one above that, and then there's one above that, and then there's one above that. So I was at the very top. I think it's like four. And. Um, right. It doesn't look the same as it did when we were there for the AFI. I think because they don't open up the balconies and you don't go up there. You just down okay. on the bottom floor. So the bottom floor where we see all the screenings at AFI, that's where all like the movie stars are and stuff. That You can't go in there if you're me. You have to just stay in the bar area. You can't yeah. go into the audience in the theater. Are you
0: telling me that no movie stars hit the bar on the first floor?
1: They must. I mean, they must. You know, when you see seat fillers and stuff, that's where they are. They're out at the bar.
0: But, again, I'll ask you, are you able, as a third-floor press person with very few privileges, are you able to walk downstairs and hang out with people downstairs at the the cool bar, the movie star bar?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I'm able to do that. If I have the nerve and I feel like it, I can go yeah. down there and I can hang out. I can, like, let's say Leonardo DiCaprio wins Best Actor, and then you go downstairs and, and that's what he's doing. He's in the bar celebrating, or he's oh. back at his seat. I mean, they're really, really weird about making sure everybody that's famous is, is in their seat so that the camera can cut to them. Right. And that's one thing about being at the Oscars that you realize is that it really is a show for the cameras. It's a television show. It's not a live show for the audience. It is anything but that. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting up in your seat at the fourth level, like I will be, you feel really alienated from everything that's going on. You know, you can't really see the TV monitor. You can't see what's happening on stage. I mean, they're so far away. So the only real option you have is going out to the bar and looking at the TV monitor, and that's where most people up there watch the Oscars. They mm-hmm. don't watch it live because you can't see anything. So, um,
0: Last time I was in the um, um, the, the, the Kodak, was a, I had a really good seat to watch Zero Dark Thirty, and I was sitting kind of at the midpoint. I, I also attended a Barack versus Hillary debate there, and I also had a good seat. At that point, hmm. and um, it's pretty nice to be in that downstairs area. And it does not seem as large and as cavernous. It's it's a negotiable space that doesn't seem excessively,
1: hmm.
0: uh, you know. It's it, it's it's reasonably scaled. It doesn't you know. It's not like the Radio City Music Hall hmm. or what's another really big place. I'm trying to oh the the Arlington. It's not like the Arlington. It's actually a. No, unless
1: uh, so, unless you're seated up at the top, and then you do really feel like that. You feel yeah. like you're at one of those, yeah. um, one of those concerts. Because, I'd, like I say, I think they close all those. I think they're literally walled off, and you don't even see the seats. And then when they do the Oscars, they open it up.
0: <clears throat> um, all right. Well, just to to recap for those who haven't been staying with our constantly fascinating discussions about the uh, about the best picture and best director situation. As you know, and everybody knows, uh, and, uh, you know, by the way, I was interviewed by a Russian magazine. I'm actually going to be quoted in a Russian magazine sometime <laughs> in the next two or three days, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was an email thing, but basically, but there's, you know, our friend Kayla Marsh and others, they're all interested in, this was such a toss-up. It was such a really engaging, fascinating, uh, appreciate how much fun it was to contemplate that it was very hard to foresee what was going to happen. And then, just like that, I mean, to me, with the DGA, and uh, uh, it just seemed to, like, change, I mean, and particularly BAFTA, DGA BAFTA. That's what changed it all. And now there's no wiggle at all, except mm-hmm. amongst the five diehards.
1: No, you're wrong about that. that, that. You're, you're Only a person who doesn't know the Oscar race would say that, because there are so many different weird little things that are happening. This reminds me a lot of the year 2000 when I first started covering the Oscar race. I was like, I had just started my site that year. And so it was 1999 and um, the American beauty year had already happened. And so that was one of those easy years. That was like last year where one movie wins everything. It wins PGA, DGA, SAG. There's just no question about it. It's going to win. Then the gladiator year came and it was so trippy. It was like, You had, just like this year, you had these three major factions of films. You had Gladiator, which was the people's choice. You had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which the critics loved, and a lot of people loved and made $100 million. Ang Lee won the DGA.
0: Yeah,
1: Gladiator won the PGA. And then along comes Steven Soderbergh with Traffic... And Aaron Brockovich, the same year. Yeah. And so they're like, what are we going to do with Steven Soderbergh? And mm-hmm. we've got these three movies winning these three different guilds. Well, the end was completely surprising because the PGA called Best Picture, which is Gladiator. Yeah. The DGA didn't call Best Director because Steven Soderbergh won for Gladiator. So Ang Lee never won Director, even though he won the DGA. So it was a weird, a very weird year. And... Um, And that's what this reminds me of. When you have the major guilds giving awards to three different movies, it's only happened, this will be the fifth year in all the years that they've been doing the guilds. Um, So that's like going on 15, 20 years, something like that. And and twice the DGA called it. That was Million Dollar Baby and A Beautiful Mind. Both of those won the DGA, won Best Picture, no split. And twice the Producers Guild called it, and that was Gladiator and 12 Years a Slave, and in that case, there was a split both times, so we don't know which year we're in. We assume we're in the DGA year, where it's just going to be Ina and it's just going to be the Revenant, and that's it. It's done. It's over, and I could see that happening. That's like, for me, like a 90% probability that's going to happen, Mm -hmm. but I have a 10% part of me that has been doing this for a long time, and I've sort of sense that I've, I don't, you know, that that this could be a year where the PGA calls best picture by a total fluke, only because of the way the ballots come in. I was talking to Steve Pond on Twitter about this last night. We were talking about the way the ballots come in. I was watching his video that he made about the preferential ballot and how it gets counted
0: you just re- made another video about the preferential ballot. No,
1: it, this is an old one. This is from the zero. Oh. This is from the Hurt Locker year, I think. He, the Hurt Locker Avatar year, because that was another year what was really close. Yeah. And everybody thought Avatar was going to win Best Picture, even though Hurt Locker had already won all the major guilds. It uh, won PGA, DGA, and everybody thought she's going to win Director, and Avatar is going to win Picture. People like David Poland thought that. Um, I was one of the few predicting the Hurt Locker because I figured there's no way you could argue with PGA, DGA, even though that's happened in the past. I just didn't see any way that, uh, the, uh, that Avatar could win, and Chris Tapley and I were talking that night just before the Oscars, and we were saying, you know, if we had a five-picture ballot and it was about most votes, Avatar would win, no question about it. And that's the same thing we're in right now. If it was five ballots, Revenant would win, just like it did at the DGA, just like it did at the BAFTA. Most votes, it gets it, right? Yeah. No brainer. But the way the preferential ballot works is that if you don't come in way, 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 way ahead, if it's even close at all, like let's say my theory is that Spotlight is going to cut into Revenant's lead, that there's going to be a significant number of people who put Spotlight in number one to cut back on Revenant's lead heading in. That's going to trigger a recount. And when that happens another movie could win because Revenant is divisive. It's not a film that hits two, three place on the ballot. It's a film that hits either one or four, five, six on the ballot. It goes high or low. It doesn't go top, middle, you know. So that's the problem. That's the hard thing to figure out. And anybody who can call this race, if it's not Revenant, which everybody's saying it's Revenant, so if it's Revenant, it's a no-brainer. Everybody's right. Race is over. No mystery. If it's not Revenant, if it's Spotlight or Big Short, whoever calls that race is going to be the big genius of this year. (laughs) And that's why when you say, why aren't you predicting Revenant? Because I always go for the long shot prediction. Okay. Because after all the years I've been doing this, nothing would bore me more than saying, okay, everybody's predicting Revenant, I might as well pick Revenant. I would never, I wouldn't even bother predicting the Oscars if that's how I thought, you know? Why? There's like... Thirty people predicting the Revenant. You know what? What does it matter if Sasha Stone also predicts it? Well, it saves me a tiny bit of ridicule from people like you and Greg Elwood and other people who are like you know, who make fun of people who don't get their predictions right. But for me,
0: no, I didn't say uh, you're you're deserving of scorn because your predictions are wrong. What I said to you and the four other uh, Big Short diehards was. <clears throat> Listen, you guys are dug in on. You see and feel, and you're putting your, your, your rep on the line in a certain respect by saying, "This is what I think." <clears throat> this is what I divine out there. Well, uh, as far this, and and that's not. I'm just saying, where does that come from? Other, other than the PGA thing, which I think was satisfactorily answered, or at least pretty yeah, satisfactorily yeah. answered when Ann Thompson said, "I think the producers were kind of appalled." at how that movie went over and they lost the snow and they had to go to Argentina and it wasn't really a well-produced movie. It, it, they ran way over now, budget.
1: See, I don't agree with that at all. In all the years that I've been covering the Oscars, I've never seen that to be, to be true. People always say that was what they said during Avatar, that's what they said you know, about all these other movies, that the producers are going to think this, the producers are going to think that. Well, what I found is that industry voters, for the most part, kind of vote for what they like. They don't think about it like, "Oh, it's about producing, so I'm going to like this movie." That that isn't the case. It just never turns out that way. They don't even pick producers that they like particularly. Uh, like Kathleen Kennedy. But um but what I could see happening with that is I could see what used to happen in the early days before they changed the date, before things got really sped up. Because when things when they pushed it back a date a month Everything got really sped up toward the end of the year and there just wasn't time to really think about movies or voting. There was just, you just vote and that's it. And that's why movies kept winning the same groups. Right. But sometimes you have a win where there's a reset, a movie wins and people collectively think, you know what, that movie shouldn't have won like avatar winning the golden globe. When that happened, people were just kind of like, ah, really? We thought this was going to be Catherine Bigelow's year. And and that I thought really turned the race around was that moment.
0: Me too. I thought maybe, but I—I I, I was very, very—I didn't know what what to think when that happened. That was a very upsetting moment. But Jim, Jim Cameron, you recall. Yeah. Said, right, said the right things. you know, this isn't really, it doesn't feel right on some level. I think it's it's Kathy's ear. I think she did this, you know.
1: Yeah. And he's, he's like, just give us a picture and you can give her a director. And the whole dynamic played out from there. But yeah. so I could sort of see, like, I know that the people on spotlight are really trying to emphasize that their movie is about the good guys. And the big short is about the bad guys. And you shouldn't pick that movie because it's about the bad guys. And um, and then the Revenant people are saying our movie was a huge epic. It was really difficult to shoot. Why would you pick this movie over our movie? And so I think that there could have been, if it, if it turns out to be Revenant, which I don't know if it will, because I suspect that if, if Big Short was really losing steam, it wouldn't have won what it's won so far. I think it would have lost the scripter to Room. I think it might have lost the, the WGA or it might have lost the BAFTA, you know. Um, the fact that it's winning so consistently with its screenplay shows that it, at least, at the very least, will win. Hopefully, win that Oscar. Even though there is a tiny part of me that thinks, well, they might just shut it out entirely if, if that buzz machine, if that whisper campaign that's been going on against the movie since it won the PGA, if that turns out to be successful, it won't win anything.
0: A whisper if, campaign against The Big Short since it won the PGA. You're saying? Yeah. What has the Whisper campaign been saying exactly? Well, the
1: first first one was pivoting off the Oscar So White thing, saying that The Big Short was the movie about white guys that was going to win this picture. And it actually is factually incorrect because The Big Short actually has the only other black female speaking role (laughs) besides Mad Max. It's true. And... um, uh, you know, and then I, you know, Spotlight's the one really that's all white. And then there's Revenant, which is directed by a Mexican um, filmmaker and does feature indigenous people, even you know, who's speaking their own language. Um, so I'm just saying, like, if there was a reset, that's the only way I could see this thing turning around. Or, or you know, what I think would happen with the big short, the reason that I think it won um, is that it... Places high on people's ballots. That's the only reason. It's it's a number one. It's like like for instance, I know a guy who Revenant is his favorite movie, Big Short's his second favorite movie. Um, another guy I know who's a director, Revenant he's picking number one, Big Short he's picking number two. I know a guy who's a journalist. Spotlight is his favorite movie, Big Short is his second favorite. So it's like, Spotlight and Revenant are kind of on polar ends of mm-hmm. voter tastes. Even though you're someone who those would be your two top too but you're kind of rare in that most people they like am i rare i think so i think most people like revenant or spotlight i don't think that they're i mean i sort of feel like they kind of divide the vote this is my theory i could be totally wrong obviously they never release vote counts so we have no idea how it's going to turn out but i would imagine that big short one because it got a lot of number ones but it was also the second favorite of a lot of different types of voters and so it placed high on the ballot and that's what happened with 12 Years a Slave. And that's why it won over Gravity. So well, I don't... Write
0: something here. i want to tell you something. I saw The Big Short again, third time, went to see it at the West Side Pavilion with someone who hadn't seen it. And I think I, you may recall that I wrote, after my first uh, exposure to that film, my, my basic uh, post-thrust of my what I said was that I'm not smart enough to have gotten this movie. <laughs> I'm too dumb and I need to go back. I need to review the, the book. I need to, I, I, I got the book. I bought it. I, I, I read good, a good portion of it. <clears throat> I read the whole synopsis. I read several reviews. I really, really boned up on the, on the and then I went back and the second time it went up. It mm. went up. I said, this is pretty good. Wait a minute. What was I thinking? I know. This Same you know.
1: here. Same here. Yeah.
0: And then the third time, which was just a few days ago. I gotta tell you, it didn't go up again. It kind of settled in where it was after the second, and and that was after, you know. So that way, it it doesn't get better and better and better. It just went up that one time. Also, the same person had not seen The Revenant, and last night we went to it at the Arclight. Now, they've got it in a relatively small theater. However, every, not every seat, almost every seat was taken. Almost every seat was taken. I wanted to see it because I wanted to feel in my ribs and in my chest the vibrations of Ryuki Sakamoto's music. I I love that music, and I wanted to feel that. And that was just that was more than worth it for me. But the um, the feeling I got from everybody is people were quite reverent towards the revenant. They really did feel like they were there was something going on there. And I, I just think that if you listen, forget your your. Beloved statistics and precedents and just listen and feel the hum, the vibration, the, the, the you know, the, where, where people uh, no, move. I get
1: all that. I feel it. I understand it. That's why I say 90%. But, um, there's also some things that are holding me back about predicting it. For one thing, a lot of people don't like the movie period. They don't like it. Um, they, you know, think it's pretentious. They think it's an empty experience. They think it's indulgent. They think it's it's a ripoff of Malick. They think that um, it's all chivo cinematography. They wonder why I go through all that trouble. You know, there's no point to it. And then there are people who really love it, and that's what we call a divisive film. That's what yeah. we call a love it hate it movie. That's a movie that wins on five. It's it's a movie that has a hard time winning on a preferential ballot. It's going to have to have a huge lead. And people always say, well, it has 12 Oscar nominations. It does. But it has the exact same nominations as Mad Max, except for two, and that's the acting. doesn't have screenplay, which you need. doesn't have SAG Ensemble, which you always need. Both of those things. And it didn't win the Producers Guild. Those are three stats that just one of those stats can prevent you from winning Best Picture. (laughs) But all three together? So I'm predicting it to be like Gravity. It'll win director. It'll win a bunch of text and then um, some other movie will win best picture. I don't know if it'll be Big Short. It might be Spotlight. Yeah. Um, I sort of sense it's Spotlight more than Big Short because I don't feel a lot of buzz for for the Big Short right now. I just don't, and that's the fact. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm not gonna. I'm only only not predicting the Revenant because. After doing this for almost 17 years, I get really, really bored Mm -hmm. with the predicting part of it. And the only fun I get out of it, the only thrill, Mm -hmm. is in predicting these crazy long shots. I'm not going for an overall perfect score. I'm not trying to be a conformist and do what everybody else is doing. I like to, you know, play the odds. I like to go to the racetrack and play the odds and pick the long shot bet. You know, that for me is thrilling. And if it pays off great, if it doesn't, so what, you know, no big deal. It's not like, it's not like I'm going to win the predictions contest anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's fun for me to do it this way. It's hard to explain that to people. I know because everybody wants to be right. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about it. It's an interesting year. It's an unusual year. It's sort of like predicting an El Nino weather pattern. Where is it going to go? You know? Right. Um, but I agree with you that I do feel the sense of the revenant. I, I, I think that there's a really good chance that a lot of people didn't see it before mm. the producers guild and that it took them a while to bone up the courage to see what they thought was going to be an arduous film. Mm-hmm. And that once they did see it, they were just blown away by it, you know? Mm. And so the vote started to change and to shift. I could see that happening. Um, but it, it does have. That's the only thing that can explain. Um, yeah. Why it didn't it hasn't picked yeah. up those major awards that it needed to. Right now it's on track to do just what Gravity did because other than the BAFTA and the Globe, which you can discount because they didn't win last year. Remember he didn't win last year. For the uh, BAFTA he didn't win. He didn't win the Globe for Birdman. So for them to say no to him twice that would be pretty ugly. So yeah. it makes sense that they would pick those movies, but. That doesn't mean it's going to win Best Picture, that uh, he would be making history in two different ways, which I think is, I'm sorry I'm talking so much. I'm just trying to get all this information out. He'd be making history in two different ways. One, no film has ever won by the same director, Best Picture. That's 88 years of Oscar history, never happened. Not John Ford, uh, not George Stevens, not Frank Capra, not Billy Wilder, none of them. Not Francis Ford Coppola. Um, although he comes the closest, but, um, but none of them, none of them won twice in a row. So mm. Inarichi makes, and he also makes history as the se- as the third consecutive Mexican filmmaker to win best director. Yeah. And that makes this the sixth year in a row that no American has won best director, which is really interesting. But,
0: um, I just uh, post a little thing. Uh, uh cause I did a, riff of the last May about how, you know, it's, it's, uh, I reserve the right to be a white guy and, uh, and, you know, it's not inherently venal to be a white guy, but there's this whole, you know, the whole whole conversation about, about, uh, Oscar's so white and that, you know, that, that, that there's this, 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 W- w- white rulership, the culture—it really, those days are over. It's over. It's over. And 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 you know, the people that are resisting that are just going to have to be you know, either adapt or die. This is the way the United States of America is these days. We're a different country. Thank God, we're much more uh, pluralistic. We're much more open to to, to uh, new ways of looking at it. The only thing that I find deeply unfortunate about about Black and Hispanic voters being stronger. Uh, being heard more vividly, as you know, obviously they they brought in Obama and everything, but but what's really unfortunate is that they've ended um, let, yesterday the, the 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 Bernie Sanders campaign, and I'm very sorry that it's over as quickly as it was because it seems to me that what he was saying, and if he hadn't been in the race, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton wouldn't be saying half the things that she has been saying, and I I, I know it's it's Hillary Trump now it's over, but. You know, and, but we have to go through the humiliating thing, which Bernie will lose badly in South Carolina next weekend, and then he's going to lose any t- any state where there's a significant African American vote. He's going to lose big time.
1: Well, um, here's the thing: the beautiful thing about Bernie Sanders is he didn't just change the race on the Democrat side, and and this is sort of a, a blessing and a curse. He's actually changed the race on the Republican side because without Bernie Sanders, you would never have had Donald Trump. Donald Trump looked at Bernie Sanders and he said. I'm going to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy as a rich man and a successful man. But he's doing exactly what he's stealing everything from Bernie Sanders playbook. He's saying almost exactly the same things, only without the socialist
0: component. Did you happen to see the quote, which uh, on Morning Joe, in which he, he, they um, describe Mika Brzezinski described a person very much like himself, but she was, in fact, describing Bernie.
1: Yeah. And
0: and and she said, "Who am I describing?" And she says, "You're describing Donald Trump." He said, "Well, I'm actually describing." Bernie yeah, Sanders. no,
1: it's true. I watched it all go down, and <laughs> this is one year where I've been really a, a kind of bummed out to be right. Uh, the whole time. Like I saw I was one of the fr- I, I mean I kept saying to people, don't you think it's weird how Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are like two sides of the same coin? Don't you think that's strange? And everybody would say. How insulting. Don't you dare insult Bernie that way. And it wasn't that I was insulting him, it was that I I finally put it two and two together and I saw that Donald Trump was taking the fervor that he saw from okay. Bernie Sanders and what he how he was igniting people for hearing the truth for the first time about politics, really hearing the truth, hearing a politician step outside the framework of, of what we know that they have to say to get elected, and to just speak directly to people and tell them this is what's going down. And that was really, you know, great for people to hear. Um, the mistake that the Bernie Sanders campaign made is that they actually thought they could win. And the problem with that is that is that there is a, it's a small, tight circle of people who support those that policy, and you're never going to get the majority of Americans not even the democrats to agree to that you just aren't you're not going to say i'm going to raise taxes on the middle class and you're going to get better health care and uh, free college. they're not going to go for it so that's no, was no that's why
0: we're, that's why we're like we're not number one anywhere in the world. We're we're like number thirty-eight. We're number seventeen. You know, yeah, I know it's but just you're not s- a great place to live anymore. The bur- and, the- cultures that do do that and believe in in social we concepts rather than the bullshit. American, me, me, me. I'm going to be That's a hero. Right. I'm going to be a multi. I'm going to live like a Kardashian. Listen, that, everybody I, still I, thinks.
1: I personally agree with you a hundred percent. But what we're, you guys are doing, Bernie people are doing, is trying to do what you and I have been doing, what I have been doing, for the entirety of my Oscar coverage, is trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. Trying to say you should pick Social Network. It's a yeah. better movie than The King's Speech. And they're never going to do it. Like you can say that till you're blue in the face, but there has to a reality has to be confronted about what America is. America is about entitlement, not entitlement welfare state, the way they say it, Republicans Mm -hmm. say it. Entitlement from Americans. We want to do what we want. We want to eat what we want. We want to throw away any kind of trash, any kind of plastic, drive any kind of car, go anywhere. No one can tell us what to do. That's who we are. And that isn't, that isn't what socialism, you know, as much as I love it, isn't, isn't what America is about. And so that was my problem with the Bernie (laughs) people is they couldn't see beyond that little circle that they were. And it was a great circle. And you're right, it inspired Hillary, inspired Mm -hmm. Trump. But when you're talking about winning an election, you know, there's a reason all that shit was put in place, because that's how you win elections. I mean, you go back to the 1972 campaign with George McGovern, He was talking about a lot of the same things, and you had you know Gloria Steinem and Warren Beatty and all these guys following McGovern around. His thing was never he he lost in a landslide against Nixon. You know it was such a small group of people. Um, He was a great man, but at this you know at some point you know hard cold reality hits you in the face, and you have to say okay, do we want to win? Or do we want to like you know trip the light fantastic here? We gotta we gotta you know, but I don't think that, that people should feel like they lost on the Bernie side. I think they should feel like they won. They really did turn a lot of people onto politics, a lot of young people, and um, open them up to what's going on. And, and who knows? Maybe in four years there really can be a, a real
0: revolution. Once Trump, well, the, you know, the, here's the irony. The irony is that people who just can't be bothered to immerse facts. Voted for Hillary because they feel an affiliation, and an affinity, a closeness, a comfort level with her that they are absolutely—it's right in the blood. It's right. No, you're down. wrong
1: about that. I'm sorry. I caught a couple. Yes, it right.
0: is. That's she. That's why she's winning. No,
1: she's, she's winning not, because African Americans
0: and Hispanics. No, End story. that's not that's
1: right. Okay. That's not right. She's winning that's because exactly the Bernie side is offering a very concentrated, specialized, extremist platform that most Americans aren't going to go for. It doesn't cover anything else except the Bernie Sanders thing and and a lot of people can't relate to that. Yes, you're right. They do feel disenfranchised. They do want the discussion to be about more than just billionaires and Wall Street, you know? So, yeah, he didn't do a, he didn't do what Obama did when he had the moment and the momentum. Obama reached out and brought people in. Bernie has never done that. He's stubborn, he's closed, and his supporters are whiners and cheaters. And they, you know, they steal endorsements, they steal data, they're bullies, they're horrible people, they lie. Um, So who would want to join that team? I didn't, you know, I didn't want to belong to any of those people. They all just drove me nuts, you know. I'm
0: not accepting, I don't even know what you're talking about with cheating and lying on the part of Bernie supporters. Yeah,
1: they do, they do. They stole um, endorsements and they... Flooded states like New Hampshire with non-resident voters to do same-day voter registration and just pretended that they lived there to drive up the polls. All kinds of stuff like that. And, you know, sooner or later that catches up with you. You can't just keep doing that stuff. They, they had this, like, anything-to-win attitude, you know. And um, that might work if when you get people in front of Bernie Sanders and they listen to what he has to say and they say, yeah, that's the country I want. But maybe one-quarter of people would think that, and then three-quarters of people wouldn't, you know?
0: So here we are going into another period, which I'm not unhappy about, but I'm not terribly delighted with either, which is a center-right corporatist, you know, Morgan Stanley, uh, you know, the, the big Wall Street mon- uh, people have given her tons of money. You think that had nothing to do with way. She thinks the way she's going to plan things. Yeah, I
1: don't because I don't I don't see her as inherently evil the way a lot of people in the I don't see her as
0: evil, but she's certainly not a game changer. I
1: don't believe that about Wall Street. People said the same thing about Obama. And the fact is that if Democrats care, they'll go to the midterms and they'll vote to change Congress and they'll get people who represent them to change. This is what the Tea Party did. The Tea Party, for eight years while Obama was in office, they mobilized, they got their Tea Party people in Congress, and now those same people basically control Congress. It's called the Freedom Caucus. It's like a bunch of white guys who are controlled. They wouldn't even look at Obama's budget. Yeah. So the Democrats should take a page from that book. They should find some really progressive lefties and get them elected, get them into Congress, and then get your president. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do it. You don't just like put in a magic man and say, okay, Bernie... Wave your magic wand and let's have free college. You know, just can't
0: do it that way.
1: It's never going to Yeah, because
0: every, uh, several dozens of other countries have done it that way, but, but we can't do that. No, no, that can't happen because we're Americans. They, they haven't we're
1: gone from a 200-year two, capitalist system of where the only way you can get elected is to celebrate American exceptionalism. Wear a stupid red hat that says, make America great again. That's what America is, okay? Europe, European countries are not like that. I mean, maybe they were at one point before their empires fell, but we're, you know,
0: de- boy, you know, this is honestly, you know, this is why for, for decades I've been at European at heart and I got to live here. This is where the money is. This is where my, uh, my living is, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's, <clears throat> you know, certain roots and certain memories and certain very profound enjoyments about the culture. But really, you know, I mean, there's so much that is repellent about this country and I'm I'm really not, I've never been, I'm not uh, that taken with it. I mean, it's it's, it's so much more beautiful in, in, in Europe. It really is.
1: I, I understand that completely. I really do. I, I mean, I don't. The thing I like, only thing I really, really like about America is I do like the fact that I could build my own business from the ground up and just start it one day. Yeah, you can't
0: do business. that in France or here. Uh, not the same. Here. Only in number one America. You, can, you can't
1: really. I'm sorry, you can't. I was telling this to Alex Billington. He was saying, first of all, he doesn't understand and you don't understand what it's like to be female over there and to always have people catcalling you. And looking at you and treating you differently because you're a woman—it's the weirdest, most surreal thing. Like I don't get that here in America. You know, I get that over there in France, I do, and in Italy. And um, it's not just that, but it's—it's that we have such technological advances that I could just pick up uh, an internet in 1999 and have my modem and start my website. Like back then, a lot of my European friends barely had internet working. You know, so the the innovative spirit is here. It's just that. Everything negative you say about it is also true. You know, it's a fucked up country. Look at we're about to elect Donald Trump, and he's probably going to win. Donald Trump because he, um, because he's promising to get rid of the fucking immigrants. That's how he's going to get elected. That's what. Kind Have you of country...
0: looked at what the average independent voter in this country feels about Trump and what the average? I mean, there, there's. The, the, he's not going to win. I mean, he's not even. Gonna, it's got. It's good that he's going to because he can't possibly win. That's what, I, that's
1: what people keep saying. But every day, as polls go up and up and up, I mean, what are we going to do? This is our system. He's come in and he's exploiting our democratic system. What are we going to do? You can't say, "Oh, the people didn't vote." You know, we, we're not going to take the guy that the people voted for. You know. So mm. it sucks, and it's it is the the downside of having Bernie run is that it it begat Trump. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, people keep laughing about it. Hey, they laughed about Reagan. They laughed about Bush, George W. Bush. They oh. never said he'd never get elected. He's too stupid. Reagan, always oh, an actor. Arnold Schwarzenegger will never get elected. So I wouldn't discount Wolf
0: Trump. Hager turned out to be a green Republican of a certain, of a moderate 10. He's not a crazy. mm you know. I'm not
1: saying he is, and, and you know, Trump, other than the fact that he's weird about immigrants, I mean, and he's he's racist and he's he's uh, sexist, he's he's not radical. I don't know if you watched his town hall, but he was like, he was pretty hardcore about the war. He was doing, he was taking them to task, all the Republicans about the war, and, and this Republican stood up and said, are you telling me that you're saying that George W. Bush was a liar? Yes. He sent... Did you, you see did say that? that? Yeah. So... I mean, he's not party line Republican. That's why they don't want him in there because yeah. he can't, they can't boss him around. Um,
0: yeah. That was the only time I really agree with him. I, I mean, he was telling, uh, he was the same thing that Bill Maher and any, any number of people is just, it's not, it's not even uh, a little bit contested. Nobody will contend that there's, you know, there was anything other than one of the most Demonic deceptions uh, forced upon the country, and nobody seemed to stand up to them. And you know, it was pretty, pretty awful what was created because we have ISIS now. It's all created by by Bush and Cheney. Yeah,
1: I just doubt myself. I mean, I was telling my daughter the other day, I was like, "Can you imagine Trump giving a State of the Union address?" (laughs) Just try to imagine that. It's funny. I know. So I this is a mess. This is all a big mess and I yeah. don't know how it's going to turn out but um mm-hmm. but it's it's driving me a little bit crazy. Uh yeah. So yeah. Let's see.
0: All right, so you haven't seen any recent films. I've I have not really seen as many films as I could. I haven't gone to um You're uh you're not going to go to Cannes. We've already we've discussed that. You're thinking that's uh, is there something about the uh, films that you expect or don't expect to see or is it just i
1: I actually love going it's it's one of my favorite things to do i just i mean money you know i just i'm i'm wondering a lot of the same films show it at telluride and uh publicists basically beg you to see these movies out of can and you get to go to wonderful france and it's it's really exciting to be there and and i love going um But I feel like it's sort of for me right now. I have to put start putting my daughter through college, and uh, I kind of need to save my
0: money. You know what I mean? It's like I've only got. Did, I've got you, a- did you talk her into Savannah, or is she going to do the more expensive New York City? Option? No,
1: no, no. She's she's going to do Savannah. We're we're actually for. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, good for you. Good yeah. for both of you.
1: Oh yeah, no. We're driving right. out to visit Savannah um, over spring break. So March nineteenth, um, we're we're taking a road trip to down through the South. We're going to go through Mississippi and New Orleans and. And I'm going to show her Savannah, and she's going to tour the college. And um,
0: so oh, that's great, Sasha. Yeah. I think that's really wonderful. Um, yeah. Good for you, and good for your daughter's uh, receptivity to uh, to uh, you know what is clearly, in my book, seems to be a, a very very nice school. I mean, it really is. It so.
1: does. I know. It really does. Um, no, that was her first choice. Actually. I was, you know, I was trying to get her to go to NYU, but she doesn't, she wanted to go to Savannah. She likes the program a lot better and, and, um, it's a sleepy town and it's just a good place to go to transition, to become an adult. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to check it out, you know, next
0: that's month. Very, very nice. I got to yeah. tell you, that's very nice that, uh, that I'm gl- I'm very, um, uh, uh, pleased that you guys are, uh, are you know? I think I think that's a very perceptive way to approach college, and you know, it doesn't have to be the, the, the you know, the the hundred and fifty thousand uh, oh dollar New York my God. education. You know? know, and
1: and I do I do feel the the Bernie Sanders thing and the students, they're so angry about their student debt and they have a right to be angry and they should keep being angry about it. And yeah. um, hopefully they can do what the Tea Party did, take a page from them and, uh, you know, really they can change things. If, they, if we all become united and work toward a single goal, we can change things. Sure. When we got Obama in there, people just kind of relaxed and just said, okay, well, we elected him, so now we don't have to do any more. He'll mm-hmm. do it all mm-hmm. for us and that doesn't work that way. Right. So, um, yeah, that's what we're doing, and and um, that's why I want to try to save my money because I don't know how much it's going to be. It's not. It's nowhere near the cost of NYU, of course,
0: yeah, which right. is
1: sixty thousand dollars a year. Can you imagine?
0: Really? That's what NYU is charging?
1: Yeah, sixty thousand. Six?
0: Oh, in other words, they want two hundred a quarter of a million dollars for four years of.
1: Yeah, from some art student, you know, like an art student's going to pay that. Some yeah. painter is going to pay that much money to go to. College. I mean, what are they thinking? God. So, um and, and then yeah, it's just like the big short because they take out these enormous student loans that they can't pay back and um uh-huh. and then the banks do just to the their loans what they're doing to these default loans in the movie. They're they're betting against them, failing, they're, you know, right. getting fees for the insurance. They don't care if they default, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, um Anyway, back to the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, I think that, uh, I, I, you know, like I say, 90% sure it's going to be Revenant for picture, director, both sound categories. Um, I mm-hmm. think it'll win. Um, you know, you'll know early on. How much they love the Revenant? If it just starts winning the things that Mad Max is supposed to win, you know, like visual effects. I thought the
0: conventional wisdom is that Mad Max is expected to to win tech awards. Uh, uh, Partly with the understanding on a lot of people's part that it's probably a Revenant year best picture wise, but Mm. uh, Mad Max is very respected, and this is a way to um, you know to give the proper respect, the due respect to that film. No,
1: Uh, I I think so. I mean, you just, you know, you don't really know until you're heading into the race how it's going to go. Like, last year, I think everybody was sort of surprised that Grand Budapest did as well as it did with the with the Academy. Um, Whiplash did really well. One sound and editing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some kind of surprises like that. You just don't know exactly what movie that they love um, heading in. And, and those two movies, they, they're going head-to-head in every category except acting. So, um, I think it's, for me, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, honestly, I would love to just never have to predict the Oscars. I would love to drop my gurus of gold and drop my gold derby and just enjoy the race and not have the pressure of having my, my, um, my picks scored and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about winners and who's doing better and who's the better predictor and all that stuff. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's only fair we're doing that to movies, so people should do that to us, right. but, um, but I don't like doing it. It's the part, part that I really don't like. It makes me mm-hmm. feel bad. Mm-hmm. so uh, for the next three years you know or so I might just drop out of those two things <laughs> <Okay>. uh-huh. <laughs> you know just take a little pressure off a little bit you know mm-hmm. that's what Chris did Chris Tapley and Pete Hammond both did that they just took themselves out of the game
0: So uh, the- Chris has did it with his variety uh, uh, birth because he feels that it would be alienating to too many of the sources like I, I, no, I just
1: don't think he felt like doing it anymore and I understand how he feels like there's so many people who pay attention to everything that he predicts and Pete too. And I'm one of those like, you know, we've been doing it so long that, you know, so many people like hang their own predictions on what we predict and talk about our predictions and stuff. And it's just a, then if you get something wrong, they, they ridicule you endlessly. And, you know, I think that they just feel like, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. And they can afford to. Because they belong to the Penske Media Group, so they can do whatever they want, you know. Yeah, yeah. You and I can't, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We still have to hustle it, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, um, I have one more. This is one. Uh, this time next week, I'll be putting up my my uh, condensed list of the films that are that look to be the strongest for this year. The ones that are going to be the most review-driven. Where they end up on the Award season chart is anyone's guess, but one thing that has—it uh, was kind of looking like it wasn't an award season film because uh, I'm talking about the Oliver Stone hmm. Snowden film, which you know, uh, obviously the the documentary, uh, Laura Poitras's documentary won uh, the best uh, feature doc uh, Oscar, and you know, there's always the, the the intrigue about about someone dramatizing this and making maybe something a little more out of it. But it was, uh, it was a late December uh, of 14... No, what am I talking about? It was going to be a, a late December of 15. They bumped it into May of 16. And then two, three days ago, they bumped it into... Right in the middle of the Toronto Film Festival. Um, it's, it's just called Snowden. <clears throat> and I made the point that if they wanted to get people to at least look at it in a certain light, which is a film that... You know, merits a certain attention in terms of, you know, maybe performances or, you know, whatever, screenplay uh, or best picture. Uh, they would open it, what is it, what would you say, maybe a week or two at mm-hmm. least mm-hmm. after the fall festivals end? Uh, I, I, if you open it in the middle of a festival, you're saying, you're basically declaring that this film is not really uh, going to be an award season type thing. It, right. It's going to be fine as it is, and it might be a very, you know, uh, gripping kind of, you know, intelligence film, espionage film, but it's not, uh, but the open in the middle of the Toronto Film Festival says something to people. It's it's a way of saying that we're, we're you know, we don't really see it in that in that light. What's your feeling about I, that? I
1: agree with you completely on that. Um, but I can't tell anymore if people are doing that just because they don't like to be in the awards clusterfuck.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, like I, I said sometimes that filmmakers hate it and they don't like all the pressure on them to yeah. have a movie that's all that can make money and that's good and that can also win awards. You know, yeah. I think it's like a three ring circus that a lot of people would rather bypass. So I can't tell the difference if if that's what they're doing or if they really think they have a dog on their hands. You yeah, know? yeah. It's really hard to tell. But um, but what uh, movies look really oscary to you? Like which ones do you think are going to go?
0: Well, know? I I know without a without a slightest. Doubt that it's a it's a KCF like year for Best Picture, with Ken oh, right, Le- right, Kenneth Kenneth right, Lonergan's right. Manchester by the Sea, which uh, to me was the big blowout of Sundance uh, 16. And I will, <clears throat> and I was incensed that Ann Thompson, in in a post Sundance discussion, immediately said, yeah, a lot of people aren't going to like it. It's a little too a little too downish. It's not quite uh, fits, fits the pair. You know, there's there's downish. We all know what that is, you know. Oh boy, there's no, there's no hope. You know, there's gonna, there's no real light at the end of the tunnel. We're kind of stuck. And then there's sad. And if you, if you, really, it doesn't take a huge amount of intelligence to understand. There's a difference between depressing and sad. Sad is just sad. Sad gets you. Sad, sad moves you. Ordinary People was a sad film. It was not like you know, but it wasn't depressing, you know. Not, and if you don't, if, you, if people don't understand that difference, and I was just offended that Anne. Uh, tried to categorize it in that in that light. This is a pickup from Amazon, by the way, which is going to be, which is very much in the game because they just uh, acquired. Also, um, what, what did they just do? They just did something else that was, uh, um, you know. Now, all right, it flew out of my head. Anyway, they've got they've got um, Manchester, so that's definitely one. I I have uh, written down that uh, the Scorsese because of uh, the, the craft level, the Silence, mm. but it's going to be that's going to be a ten, uh, I think. Um, uh,
1: that's interesting. Oh, is it really? God, that's, that would be a reason to go. Just that alone. Um,
0: there's a David Gordon Green film about the Boston bombing called Stronger. It might be a little bit of a kind of a formulaic, you know, recovery from trauma. And, you know, it's about a guy who lost his legs played by, uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake has, you know, has been knocking down these roles that are, you know, talked about, uh, in, in terms of you know, probably award quality, uh, something that you want to celebrate, and this is almost certainly going to be another one of those for Jake. So I don't know about these films or I have any idea about those films as, as best picture games. But, but, you know, certainly from a performance standpoint. And then there's the Tom Ford thing, Nocturnal Animals, which is also... Right. Uh, you know, that's Jake Gyllenhaal and... Uh, and... Uh, and... Um, why am I blanking on so who else? I do.
1: Yeah. I, I have no idea. But um, are you telling me that the Kenneth Lonergan movie is going to be released by Amazon? Is that what you said?
0: Well, not actually. The way they're supposed to do it is I understand, if I understand correctly, is that they're going to find a partner to do their um uh, do the theatrical. And uh, that person that that company for a fee will, you know, do the distribution and whatnot. But then they're going to wait a decent interval. What that interval interval will be will be, I'm guessing, in the vicinity of <clears throat> twelve weeks, ten weeks. But they're not going to make the mistake that Netflix made with *Beast of No Nation* by doing a simultaneous day and day theatrical and. Yeah,
1: the Netflix. I think they tried too hard to force the issue. They tried too hard to make the Academy pick their movie, and they, they just the Academy was not ready. Yeah. So. Um, that yeah. had to be a gentle a, a gentler easing in. In fact, I, I've advised them to take Netflix off of their ads, take that word off. You know, mm-hmm. they, they would have had a much better chance because yeah. that brand, that Netflix brand is still, they're trying to change it, but it's still TV to voters. You know they look at that and they see TV. So mm-hmm. until they change that, which they might, you know, it's going to take time. I think the Beast of No Nation is going to do really well at the Spirit Awards next week.
0: Um, I think that people want very much for that film to get its just due and particularly Idris Elba to get its just due and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that uh, does very well so'm I'm, I'm uh, spotlight also you got to presume that because that's
1: oh spotlight's up for the spirits it what it's up I, I forgot spotlight was up for the I spirits. I don't know I,
0: I was just assuming it was because it was uh, won the Gotham and you know I, oh, I just figured right it,
1: it, it could it could totally win I'm gonna have to look that over um you're going to be there, right, the Spirits?
0: Without a, without sale, yes. Are you going to yeah.
1: go? Yep, I'll be there too. Okay. Um, that's, I, I prefer the Spirits to the Oscars in terms of just attending. Huh, sure. Well, it's so much more fun, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're just It's so easy going and, and the people. And it's just... a
0: great social event. It's very nice to just be there. It's a very nice thing. They have a slightly different uh, location, according to Chris Libby. That big tent is not going to be exactly in the same space. hmm uh, they told me that if you, uh, that the way to do it is to park at the city hall and get shuttled down. I said I don't do that. I I am a motorcycle man. I drive over there. <laughs> I park anywhere I want. I don't, I don't take shuttles anywhere for any reason. I said I don't I'll like
1: walk. i not doing that either. I, I don't, don't
0: shuttle. I gravel, then take a <laughs> shuttle with a bunch of old. People.
1: I always drive, and the Oscars people are like Uber it. I'm like, no way, man. So drive, I'm gonna drive that shit. I gotta go right in there so a ha- second. I like to have my key. I have to be ready to go when it's time to go. you know, yeah, I don't like to wait on people. I hate that. I like to just be ready to go when it's time to go, and that's that. Sure. but um,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: but I'm um, yeah. I'm looking forward to this season coming to a close. I, I find it to be very dramatic and you know, none of, not a turkey in the bunch. These are all really good movies. Yeah. So any, any movie that wins is going to be a good winner. It's not going to be a bad winner. And um, it'll be funny that the two times I go to the Oscars, I'll be seeing to make history and win twice. Like that's maybe someday like 50 years from now, or I won't be alive 50 years from now, but 20 yeah. years from now, someone might say, wow, you were at the Oscars when he won that historic back to back Oscar win. And I was like, yeah, yeah I went to see that. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I'm happy for him and, and, um, the truth about the specialness can't be discounted, and one of the reasons that you could say the Revenant could could defeat the others easier is that it is a back-to-back movie. I, I thought it would be the opposite that they would say no, but because they don't, they like to spread the wealth. But I think maybe it might have turned out in his favor. They would say, "Wow, I can't believe someone could make a movie like that right after making Birdman." Uh-huh. Know, like that's an incredible feat and we're going to reward him for that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that happening. Mm. But um, but otherwise, I feel like the awards are just going to be pretty fairly predictable. You know, Brie Larson, uh, Leonardo.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, supporting actor is a little tricky. It, it's it's most likely sly, but it could also be Tom Hardy. He could upset there. He is, you know, kind of the man of the hour and he's great in The Revenant. Um, he's the best. I, I'm, I'm not
0: aware of any thought about Tom Hardy being a possibility. Where did that come from?
1: I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about. And as I heard this guy predicting it as a po- possible spoiler. And I thought that maybe if you see that happen, then, you know, Revenant is just, that's going to sweep everything, you know, but, um, okay. I don't know. I, I just thought, you know, everybody, when they talk about the Revenant, that's what they talk about. Tom Hardy, everybody. <laughs> That okay. I know that's seen it even more than Leo's performance. They talk about Tom Hardy and how great he was and he is great in it. Come on. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um, he is my favorite thing about the movie other than the cinematography for sure. So, right. um, so there's that. And, yeah. uh, um, supporting actress is going to be Vikander probably.
0: Screen- Can't see any way around that one.
1: Yeah. Screenplay will be spotlight in the big short.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Editing is a t- is probably going to be Mad Max. I don't think it'll be The Big Short. I think and be- other
0: tech awards too, as we were saying, right? Yeah, Pop- mm-hmm.
1: Mad Max and Revenant are going to split the techs. Uh, Revenant's definitely getting cinematography, and both sound awards. Mad Max is probably getting makeup, mm-hmm. costume, um, uh, and then visual effects will be a toss up. It might be, mm-hmm. yeah. So I know the most a-
0: fun about any major event is the older you get, the more you understand that the most fun. Of anything that is uh, that you afford <clears throat> great significance and meaning to, including uh, including making love with a beautiful lip woman, is that it's always always more interesting and exciting in the anticipation and the lead up to than the actual thing. That's, <laughs> That's right. the most fun is the is the lead up. So it's just like with it's more fun for me, in a way, almost. To contemplate and to think about and plan and imagine the various aspects of the Vietnam journey that uh, Jet and Kate and I are going to take uh, about <clears throat> two and a half. What, what is the day today?
1: I think it's the twenty-first.
0: Uh, almost a month, not quite a month from now. Hmm. Uh, three weeks, three weeks. But that—that's kind of so much fun to like, you know. Imagine everything, and, and 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 it's so much fun to uh, to be uh, socially uh, around uh, this week in Los Angeles. If you are at, I just wrote a mutual friend of ours. What Oscar parties are you going to that I can get myself into? Yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, I know my one friend is going to the Fox Party. I know only that person who's going there to that party. So that's the only one I've heard of. Um, I'm sure there. are you know, many that you could get into.
0: I, the Fox is, Party is uh, is, all, is of course, even though it's the Fox Party, does that mean it's going to be the place to be? Not really. It's going to be as usual, uh, Governor's Ball and Vanity Fair. So those were the. That's the real fun. They they, they go to these things at the end of the night. They right. Kind of, you know, exactly. So yeah. it's not that great to to be there. Really, it's, it's all right. It's fine, but it's not you know, the place to be. You know.
1: Right, but it's hard to get into the governor's ball. It's almost impossible. So,
0: did you inquire? Do you know of anybody? No, who has? I never
1: have. I, I, you know, I asked him for this ticket. I was surprised I got it invited the second year in a row. I thought I was only going to be once. Um, mm-hmm. But I, so I don't push my luck. I would love to just get a guest to come with me to the Oscars so that I don't have to sit there alone. I would love that. But um, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm sure the governor's ball would be kind of a trip to try just once. You know, see what that's like.
0: And on top of everything else, you can't really do your live blogging about it. You exactly, have to
1: wait. I have to be stuck up there, and my phone mm-hmm. running out of batteries. You know, I like mm-hmm. to cover the Oscars. You know, I don't necessarily like to attend them, but um, so I won't be. But but at the same time, um, it does take the pressure off a lot when you're watching it live, as opposed to sitting at home when you're waiting for the winners to be announced. It's so much more stressful at home for some reason. Um, being there, it's kind of like, uh, all right, fine. They open the envelope, they read the thing. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at home, you know, you're, you're plugged into the online world. Everybody's kind of going crazy over each yeah. one. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun
0: that way, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, I do t- I like to watch it on TV, you know, hanging out at home. It's more fun. Yeah. So,
0: but mm. anyway. Okay. Well, I'm going to take a long, not a long, but a vigorous. Pacific Palisades hike in a little
1: nice. while. Nice. So. What a good idea. That's a mm-hmm. wonderful idea. I think we might go do something like that, too.
0: Nice um, and warm outside. So. Nice. I think that's lovely that you guys are going to drive across the south. That's the greatest thing I've ever I've heard uh, in a while.
1: Yeah, no, it should be really, really fun. We're, we're both looking forward to it. I, um, I get to show her New Orleans. She's never seen that in Mississippi and all these great places. Are you going to take
0: uh, the uh, 10 and 66 and then, stay, and then go through Texas? I, I think
1: we're dipping down south more than that. We're not going to drive straight across. We're going to we're going to hug the south and see how that goes
0: near the border, near El Paso and yeah. all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. right?
1: right, and drive that's,
0: right into that's the nice. Sea. That's nice. Yeah, Galveston, it's, and yeah. it's really you know, but you, but still, no matter how you slice it, Texas is a huge slice of of geography.
1: Right, I know. <laughs> it's true. I can't wait to see it though. Road trips are my favorite thing, and I love seeing the country. Um, mm-hmm. Parts of it. I've I've been to New Orleans a couple of times, but Emma's never been there, so it should be fun.
0: I haven't been there since I got <clears throat> drunk as a as a fair young lad, and I got so drunk that I was trying to like trace my steps the next morning. What what happened? You know, where, where, where did I go? <laughs> I woke up in a strange hotel. I didn't know how I got there. I mean, this is the kind of blind drunk you get when if you're completely careless and you know. Mm.
1: Right, no better place to do that than New Orleans, though.
0: And I went to, to the found the 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 parking garage where we, my friends and I, had left our car. And I think what I what I had done was try and find them through the car parking garage at the end of the evening when I was staggering, blind drunk. So the next morning, or maybe 10 or 11 o'clock in the, in the morning, I went back to the parking garage, and as soon as the guy saw me, he started laughing. He says, Jesus Christ, you're back. <laughs> and I, I knew I had obviously done something uh, oh. to, to earn that kind of notoriety.
1: Um, oh, no, I wonder what it was.
0: He <laughs> said, so you were so drunk last night you couldn't see. Um,
1: oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's the best place to do it. You know, it's really kind of a similar city to Savannah. They remind me a lot of each other, those old southern cities. Obviously, New Orleans is more beautiful and interesting, but it's similar. Mm -hmm. They're both, I mean, God, riding our bikes around uh, Savannah the way we did that time, that might as well have been New Orleans, that part, you know, the outskirts. It really looks a lot like it. Um, That was so fun, wasn't it? Well, what was? Our bike ride at night in Savannah. That was so much fun. I loved delightful. it. Delightful.
0: Completely yeah. delightful. And uh, there's nothing... You can't be too uh, you know, praiseworthy of, of, of a town that is so completely flat. And it's so easy to pedal everywhere, anywhere you want.
1: Yeah, right. And it's just all kind of a, a circle or a square. And, and you yeah. know, it's, it's hard to get lost in that. So right. that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. We'll have a delightful right. Sunday. Okay, Great. you nice. too. And uh, we'll uh, be seeing each other at the Spirits, but maybe sooner. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Okay, bye. bye.
1: You've been listening to episode 124 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We'll be back next week with another episode. And your bumper music was Every Night You've Got to Save Me by Mass Gothic. And New Orleans by Dead Man Winter. Thanks for listening.